0: Ingram Smith, Bud Elliott, back again for another episode of the NOLCast. Bud, we will thank our friends at Tarpon Cellars Winery, uh, title sponsor of the NOLCast. Ever so fortunate to be able to continue to work with them. Went on a uh, little bit of a celebratory dinner here recently with my fiance. Still sounds a little strange for me to say that, but uh, nice. One of the better meals I've had, not something that we do all the time. And damn, if I didn't look down on the menu and see two offerings from our good friends at Tarpon Sellers, so they uh, continue to have success entering some certainly some nice restaurants around town and uh, all over Florida. So keep an eye out for them, whether you would be going to the website and using that NoCast coupon code, which gets you twenty percent off, or if you're at a uh, at a nice restaurant, always take a peek and see if they are offering. Uh, that of what our friends put together out there in Napa Valley.
1: Uh, so I have a couple of things here. Number one, what is the coupon code? NOLCAST. Coupon code NOLCAST. There we go. All right. Number two, uh, Maggie said to Tokashina, she, y'all are on alert in that household now because she's not pregnant anymore. So she want, She thinks she's owed <laughs> she's like the next couple of shipments <laughs> need to be going
0: to Florida. Uh Maggie has made that opinion known for a while now. Uh so she will for about uh, 9 months. She will be next in line most certainly.
1: <laughs> All right. Uh awesome. Awesome. So we got a lot lot of stuff to uh, discuss here. Uh I guess just a, a quick full disclosure, we will probably not do a national signing day preview show because there's not a whole lot uh to preview. We can kind of do a review show combining the transfers that FSU took along with the high school prospects. Uh, But not going to waste people's time probably with a preview show, uh, especially since we are generally once a week in the offseason. I will note that they kicked the tires on a defensive end from Jacksonville Bowles, who they elected not to offer. Uh, Again, I think that's probably the right call, uh, especially because he doesn't really profile as a pure pass rusher type. And they have a lot of tweeners right now. Um, if he profiled as like an elite defensive tackle, I think they would certainly be offering uh, or as more of a, a speed guy off the edge. But uh, as, as it is, they have quite a few tweeners on this roster right now. And so I, I, I'm on board with the decision uh, to pass there on JB. Other kind of new business to get to. I know we have a lot of stuff to talk about tonight. Benson. I think the last time we talked, he was not committed, right? We we went over our thoughts on him.
0: We were uh, pretty certain it was imminent, but um, it had not become official. I believe it became official uh, the morning when we published at 3 a.m. and it became official 9.30 or 10 later that day.
1: We knew they had decided to keep him, or excuse me, not to keep We knew that they had decided internally to take him, like that they were okay with the academics, that they were okay with the knee, which is probably the, the one update we should provide here, is that Mike Norvell kind of went out of his way, I think, in his, in his press conference about Benson. Um, or not press conference, but in his statement about Benson to discuss just how explosive he thought the Oregon transfer uh, was and healed up fully from that knee injury. And Mike's no dummy. He, he understands what people the questions people are asking, I think. And so I, I took that as, as having some
0: intentionality to it. It's you? I didn't think it was coincidence. Yeah. I mean, uh, hey, look, if they found some undervalued asset there in the portal and, and can turn this kid into a six foot one monster that can contribute and uh, catching balls out of the backfield and run with physicality, then credit to them. I mean, I, I'm as pessimistic as I was a week ago about it, but, you know, uh, this, I'll bet a thousand, and uh, this is one that I'd love to be wrong on. So we'll, you know, we'll see how it turns out. I I agree with you there. It's almost like you want to give him the benefit of the doubt
1: a little bit, except they took Williams last year, and obviously he hasn't worked out for you. But it's almost as if okay, if they're going to take this guy now, when they could wait until after spring to take it back, there's no real urgent need to get it back in for spring. I don't think it's not like he's an offensive lineman or a DB who there's a lot of teamwork involved with, with the position. I think that maybe they thought, hey, we we have to take this kid now before he what puts up some good film at spring in Oregon and is able to shoot that out to everybody else. Maybe that's their thinking on that. It is somebody they liked when they were at Memphis, but it is also somebody they did not pursue when they got to FSU. So I don't, I don't think it's fair to paint the narrative that they've always been on the guy. They, they've not, they they could have taken him. I believe in that first class when they got to FSU, if they wanted to, or, or tried to. And to my knowledge, they, they didn't go after him. So yeah, we'll, we'll see. Uh, Overall, I think the staff has done a, a solid job in the portal. Where, where do they rank in the 24 7 sports portal rank? Is it fifth now? Sixth? I, I think that's probably pretty fair. Clearly, you, you have a couple schools right now that are killing it with high quality prospects in the portal. Uh, USC has 12 guys in the portal, four blue chips, LSU uh, 11 and three, Old Miss eight and five, actually, uh, Oklahoma nine and three. Uh, Florida State uh, ten commits, only one rated as a four-star prospect, though. So, I think that's probably reflective of a school that's had four straight losing seasons. I mean, and you know, not a lot of of proven success to sell um, at this point. But you do have some guys with with some upside. I think Greedy Vance's film is pretty sketch, but he also took a starter spot last year. That's kind of interesting to square do span caught five balls. And yet I reported that an Illinois staffer said, Hey, if we get this kid to stop thinking he's a quarterback and actually focus on receiver, he's potentially an NFL guy. You see the upside, but you also see the inherent risk and downside. Um, I think Winston Wright is, is a really good get. I've had multiple schools tell me like that was a good get for FSU in the portal. and, And in a way that they've not told me good things about FSU's other receivers they took in the portal. Um, Bethune, in his press conference, seemed to have a ton of confidence, and he has been a uh, productive player for UCF. Not, not a superstar, but a guy that's, that's put up some numbers. And if you're FSU, uh, given what you've been in the last four years, given the reputation of this staff right now, I think, uh, you're not going to land a whole lot of superstars via the portal. At least not guys who are known superstars. You may end up getting a Jermaine Johnson type, I will contend that if if everybody knew, including if FSU knew, which they did not, sure they did not know. If everybody knew how good Jermaine Johnson was going to be, you would not have gotten it. He would be playing for Bama or Ohio State. Or would have never left Athens. But yeah. Well, correct. Yeah. They would have probably said, ah, somebody else, pack it up. This guy's a starter, right? Decent, you know, hall in the portal, probably heavier than they wanted to go because of the signing day misses, which will probably haunt you throughout your time here. Unless you make it long enough to where they're you know kind of kind of aged out, uh, you know, a a solid job I, I think a good number of of higher three stars the the teams in front of you, Oklahoma South Carolina Arkansas are, are the other ones I think they've done a, a fairly good job. Um, Bama has what three guys now in the portal uh, a five star and and two three stars so it it's kind of hard to argue your class is better but at the same time. It's weird to to put rankings on classes with such a, a such a high variance of numbers, right? You have some cl- some teams with fourteen portal kids, and you have some teams with with three, and you're asking an algorithm that is not perfectly suited to to judge class rankings on teams that have such di- you know different numbers. Which is why I really like what two four seven does with the overall rankings, which is the combined uh, transfer and recruiting rankings and they have FSU at 14th overall with seven blue chips and 18 uh, non blue chips. So it's an interesting formula, right? It, it does seem to reward volume quite a bit, uh, but I think FSU's done a decent job there. So, um, you know, I think if you look at the kind of the range that they're in, it's sort of in that like 13 to uh, 18 range, basically teams within five points. Uh, that range that's that's probably pretty fair
0: all right bud so let's talk about a couple of things here that have been hot uh pieces of conversation within the fan base we've got some contracts for assistant coaches uh we've got um a general conversation about hot seat talk that uh, we certainly need to get to and i think we can approach from a couple different angles hopefully will be interesting to our listening audience uh, but before we do I want to mention that um, Bud and I have been nominated uh, for a, um, a a great podcast award. So we're nominated in the category of Best College Sports Podcast uh, by a group out of London, actually. Uh, you can go to a website called sportspodcastawards.com, simple enough address. Again, that's sportspodcastawards.com. We're in the category of Best College, College Sports Podcast. Uh, nominated about a month ago, shortlisted in a group of eight. And I believe we're currently number two of eight. So uh, if you guys want to go and support us, that'd be great. We're number two, and we haven't yet garnered the support of our listening audience. So I think that we're going to do well here. Um, again, sportspodcastawards.com. It's a very simple uh, registration process. Your password doesn't get emailed to, me, to you. So if, if you're kind of reading between the lines here and you're concerned about your email not getting filled up with spam um there's you know ways to make sure that that doesn't so if you happen. have a spam email you can use that to vote i i have and and to well, be honest i use emails, uh, yeah, or three i think you could do that too yeah do you guys remember when fsu won the helmet okay all right let's let's review let's, revisit let's channel this. the helmet here people uh i remember
1: when heather did had to talk about this on espn and she's like Okay, here is the awards, and uh, it appears that uh, FSU, with a vote total greater than the population of the Earth, has defeated Michigan in the best selling award. <laughs> Do you remember this? It was like they had to they had to pull the poll down.
0: Oh, I remember it was it was in the uh, it was in the the rough times of the waning days of the uh, the Bowden era, and uh, it was a nice little win. It Was in two thousand eight yeah so Florida State got 11 million votes uh, <laughs> in the final round in the final round <laughs> uh, yeah yeah um, so the the old computer algorithms were taken away I don't know that we'll necessarily need that but any support from a, a main email address a secondary email address whatever you feel comfortable and compelled to do uh, know that bud and I would greatly appreciate it and um, you know hopefully it works out well so nice to be nominated for something and Uh, We've got about a month of voting here, so if you want to do it, know that it would be greatly appreciated, and we'll keep you up to date on the progress.
1: Something that is not as nice to be motivated for is ESPN's Hot Seat column, uh, early Hot Seat column for 2022, uh, which features Mike Norvell. Uh, This is written by ESPN's Adam Rittenberg, uh, who I have a lot of respect for. I think he does his own work. I think he's well-sourced, and I think he Jenner does a good job of reading the tea leaves in the sport. Uh, I'll also preface this by saying that this is an extremely difficult article to do this early in the year uh, because most athletic departments made their moves last year or last December following uh, a year in which few made moves uh, because it was a pandemic season. So There's a lot of pent-up moves that got released in December of 2021. So I don't think you're going to have that many firings this year. But Mike Marvell is listed on the hot seat. Uh, this is year three for him. So I'll just put what, what Adam writes, and then we'll uh, we'll, we'll kind of discuss. I, I have some some fairly strong thoughts here.
0: Does it involve Jackson and Jacksonville State? Because uh, I certainly can understand. I mean, I'm, I'm not trying to step on his article, but I can understand where a national article or a national writer would come to some conclusions. And it stuff. does.
1: And if I'm the editor at ESPN and you don't put that in there, I'm probably like, what the hell are you doing? Right? It's, it's relevant. The ACC projects to be the most active league during the upcoming carousel because Dino Babers and Scott Satterfield and Jeff Collins are also listed. Mac Brown is, quote, keep an eye on category. Uh, especially if improvement does not take place in several programs. The past cycle included four ACC changes, three firings and one retirement. That was cut clip at Duke. Uh, and the next one could approach or even exceed the total. Norvell's situation will generate the most national attention as Florida State tries to dig itself out of the mess made towards the end of the Jimbo Fisher tenure. After making the postseason every year from 79 to 17, the Seminoles have missed bowl games in Norvell's first two seasons and three of the past four seasons. Norvell's uh, team responded well for an 0-4 start, winning five of its next seven games before a season-ending loss to Florida. Then came the day flip of top recruit Travis Hunter, who chose to play for former FSU star Deion Sanders at Jackson State which sparked the Fire Mike Norvell Twitter Spaces conversation, which I didn't, um, I didn't, I didn't join that, but I, I saw that. Uh, continuing, a third consecutive bowl this year will mean the end for Norvell, but the coach has support from new athletic director Michael Alford and key donors. He will also have more of his players in key roles this fall. The question is how many wins Mike Norvell needs to ensure he's back in 2023. And my answer to that, I don't want to say zero because then weird stuff happens. But I think it's probably like four. If he goes two and 10, I can't, t- I can't sit here and tell you that Mike Morvell is going to be back in 2023. However, I will tell you, and you'll tell me the same thing, because we have different guys we talk to, but I'm confident that some of the folks we talk to are some of the absolute biggest, most influential boosters that FSU has. And I had a conversation with a guy the other day who was all in on Mike Morrell? Mike's our guy. That's what he told me. Mike Mike will, will get this right and we will give him the time to get it right. And I got to talk to him a little bit. And what I realized here is that during the pandemic, Mike Morrell did not get to go out and do all these booster tour events. He didn't get to go out and speak to the large groups and do the 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 Tampa Bar crawl and and, and the Orlando, you know, downtown Bar Crawl and and well, bar crawls, basically everywhere, right? And, and the golf tournament and the fishing tournament at the Southwest Florida Seminole Club, which is an awesome experience, and I, I hope we have this year. But what he did get to do was meet with the big money folks in small groups because you could still kind of pull that off during COVID. And I'm not here to tell you that Mike Norvell told these guys, hey, we're going to suck, or hey, we won't make a bowl. But but I am here to tell you uh, that. I think the message got across. The guy I was speaking to was not surprised that they went five and seven at all. And I know you've had similar conversations with people. So it does seem like Norvell accurately assessed the roster he had. And privately, if he didn't tell them, hey, we're going to suck. Hey, we're going to miss bowls," He at least got the message across that it was possible. Because these guys are people I know talk to Mike Norvell. They cut the, they cut some of the biggest checks, and they were not surprised at how the season went at all. Did you get any different feedback than that recently? Because like that's exactly what I got the other day.
0: Mike Norvell's support uh, amongst the—again, I, I don't try to speak for anybody, and I certainly don't claim to know everybody, but my perception has been what you stated. Mike Norvell's support amongst large, significant boosters— has been similar to where it was 12 months ago. Now, does that mean that people weren't embarrassed by Jacksonville State? Hell yeah. Does it mean that people weren't pissed off and embarrassed by Jackson State? Ditto. And this isn't like a, oh, look at us, but it's just a point of reflection. We said last year, about eight months ago, that Florida State in-house coaching would take six and six immediately and put that in the bank, roll into the recruiting class, Think that you kept the vast majority of it, and you know, roll on a Big River from there, and they would have been fine with six and six. Do you remember how much crap we took for saying that? Yeah, I, I mean, I, I, I don't want to say I don't pay attention to what people say. I do, but I, it doesn't, it doesn't register, it does, it doesn't register with me nearly what it did maybe six or seven years ago. And it doesn't mean that I don't, you know, I don't value people's opinion or whatever else. But I, you know, we're not not going to be swayed by. Uh, Twitter feedback and uh, and other things like that, so yeah I, I remember I remember people not being happy about it. I remember and i 'm not trying to throw arrows at other people in the media, but I remember other people talking about eight or nine wins, and how realistic that was going to be. Oh,
1: it was funny to see the chart. Remember it was like okay, january they 're here at nine wins, and then uh, okay we 're here to February and they're like ah, i don 't know maybe eight or nine, and then kind of slowly as as the season got then eventually they kind of met us there right? Like on, on on the bench was like, Hey, I think, you know, six, six, five and seven, maybe some of the other shows were still a little, little with helium, not, not really being either not being truthful or not, not really understanding what they were looking at in practice. You know, I I will give Brennan, those guys credit. Like they were not blowing smoke
0: in house. I think the expectation was a 500 record and has been for a while. And our whole point here is that in these small groups, in this two to three meeting at a hunting cabin in the woods, in this four person, you know, setting in a, you know, uh, a nice house in North Georgia or something like that, or South Florida, uh, boosters of significance had a pretty good idea as to what was coming down the tracks. Now, doesn't mean that um, you don't have a new AD. And ultimately, Mike and, and Mike were in many of these meetings that we're referencing right now. And those two have a great you know, great rapport and respect for each other, blah blah blah. But you know, an AD is going to ultimately want his football program to do uh, as well as it can, and you know that's only going to go so long. But uh, for the time being, I agree. I, I we would have to see a catas you know a cataclysmic chain of failure to see Mike Norvell really get a talk you know a, a hot seat talk really catch on. Uh, uh, anything other than kind of national media and, and those who uh, would love to believe otherwise. So we'll have to see. I, I think you're right. I think you have to look at a three-win season or worse for there to be real discussion about Mike Norvell's job security.
1: A couple other points I'll add to this. Uh, number one is you, you brought up the point of, of Michael Alford, right? The, the new athletic director. I think he's going to probably want to really evaluate what they have there. He certainly worked behind the scenes with Mike Kravell. Has fundraised with the guy, and I believe
0: is somebody who does genuinely have have, a, have some skin in the game. Pretty tangible evidence that he's made funds available for Mike to make some really aggressive hires, which will be, or at least have the opportunity to make some significant hires, which will be kind of where we go next with this. Um, there's been support given to Mike and and the addition to go out and try to bolster his staff, and Florida State pay, is paying very, very competitive uh, for some of these positions that they're trying to fill. Exactly right. I mean, We we heard
1: north of 200 for the GM role. Obviously, some of the back office guys got tremendous raises, which, uh, I mean, who knows? I, I tend to think that they I, I don't think they were really being targeted elsewhere, but okay. Uh, I want to point out a couple other things, too. From a fundraising perspective, they are still paying Willie Taggart through the end of 2023. I've been told flat out, Florida State is not interested in paying two coaches at the same time to not coach. Okay? So you have that. And I believe that person that told me that. Number two, they are trying to finish getting the football-only facility constructed in a reasonable time frame. If you're having to use money to buy somebody out, that's money that's probably not going to the football-only facility. So that's a problem too, which again, it's another thing why I'm firmly of the belief that Mike Norvell is not on the hot seat for 2023, or excuse me, for 2022 at all. Does he have to start showing some progress at some point? Yes. But also, I think that because the big boosters that I talk to are telling me this has gone roughly record-wise how I expected it to go based on my conversations with people. That is in stark contrast to what their expectations were based on the feedback that they got from the staff before Mike Norvell. And that feedback from the staff before Norvell turned out to be way wrong and it caused them to absolutely lose confidence in that staff quickly. They believe that this staff has accurately evaluated what they have and has accurately communicated to them this is going to take a while. This is a freaking mess.
0: Right? So, You know, from that perspective, also. Let me say one more thing. Has the turnaround been as quickly as anybody wanted to know? Would would everybody that identifies as a Florida State fan had wanted to see them sign Travis Hunter? Hell yes. Um, But worst case scenario, let's say Mike Norvell is but a kind of caretaker head coach that transitions you through this time. You're signing pretty decent recruiting classes. You're getting kids in, you're developing developing them, you're doing well in the portal. I mean, you are incrementally raising the ceiling here and raising the floor. And I know it's not as fast as many would want. Uh, but if, worst case scenario, you had to hire Mike for four years, pay him what at this point is not a whole lot of money to be a head coach at a at a football program like Florida State.
1: Are you under the impression that the extension is not a big money guaranteed extension?
0: Uh, I don't think it is. I don't think it it necessarily, I don't think it's, you know, I don't think it's going to drastically reset his place in the ACC pay structure. I'll put it that way. This is a hell of a lot better uh, hands to put a program in than somebody that's either going to boom or bust. And in my opinion, for what you need from this program. And I'm not, I don't think Mike's fate has been written by any mean. I just uh, will point out that the downside here is not all that down. Uh, I mean, you are incrementally improving your roster. Uh, you've taken concern, you know, not that APR is what it used to be, uh, but you've certainly improved things there. The culture blah, blah, blah is better. Program could be in much worse hands.
1: I, I agree with you on that on that standpoint. Uh, the last thing I'll say on this, because we'll, we'll probably clip this and make it its own video um, as well, just because I, I think this will do well on YouTube. I, I don't want to say it's not of people listen to this show. I and mean, this is the number one FSU podcast by, by a good margin, but there's still a whole lot of people in the stands that don't listen. I do know that some of the the people who are pretty connected listen to the show, and they do listen to the point that we make about the early signing period in that transitional class, pretty consistently. Which is that it's likely to suck. Now everybody hates to hear that at the time that we say it, but again, I mean, do you want to do this? Just I, I, if I can run down the whole the whole signing class in I don't know less than a less than a minute. Uh, I mean, I'll just say the name. You think, are, are they ever a, a, a starter here? Okay. Tamari Tate. Yes. Oh, okay. Brian Robinson. No. I have a party already gone. Brian Robinson already gone. Green McKnight. No. Oh, Philly.
0: Well, yes, but yes. I think you're going to push him pretty hard. That may be why Corbin went pro. Uh, Doesn't make any sense to me, but I have heard similar. Yeah. Uh, Dix. Uh, not anymore. I mean, technically a starter last year for some games, but no, never again. Jakai Douglas,
1: I think we agree. No, Corey Wren, no, Poitier, I would say no, McCluster, no, Robert Scott already started. Sydney Williams, maybe Griffiths is already gone. Trader, I'm gonna say yes. I think we probably agree there. It's got some work to do physically. Well, Yeah, yeah, that's true. I did hear good things about him in in the off-season program already, so uh, maybe that's a 23 guy, maybe not a 22 guy. Roderick I quickly know. Williamson, no. Uh, Zane Herring, no. Damian Webb, uh, already gone. Boatwright, no. Lundy, I guess he kind of started last year. Yeah, he's a starter. He's a starter. Lloyd Willis, I'm going to say no at this point, unless things change. TJ Davis, no. They keep telling me they love Marcus and Douglas, but I mean, if, if you love a tight end, given how bad your tight ends were last year, you don't think he would have played. Uh, Master Mono, the punter, okay. And, uh, and Manny Rogers obviously never qualified. So the guys that listen to the show, I think they understood that the first class that Norvell signed, you probably weren't going to get a whole lot out of, and indeed you're not. Like that's a ton of washouts. It's entirely in keeping with with the pattern that we've seen with the early signing period. When you hire a coach, a lot of these guys are available for a reason, and it's not a good reason. Okay, it's kind of fool's gold. And the next class, unfortunately for him, and I think the power people at FSU understand this and why they're going to exercise some patience, was a COVID class. You didn't get to get anybody on campus, and Obviously, that was for all of college football. However, you also didn't get to get these guys on campus the year before when they were juniors. So you really are flying blind for another class, for two classes in a row. And again, I don't think you're going to get a whole lot out of that 2021 class, which is probably a conversation to have as far as the ultimate upside within the timeframe that Orville is going to have here, especially considering the misses you just had on early signing period. But I think they realize the magnitude of the rebuild, and some of the challenges that you're going to face. And that, that's basically all I have to say on that. I really do not believe Mike Norvell on the hot seat at all, unless they go like three and nine.
0: We're in agreement there. Uh, now, one thing I have heard is that he's, I don't know if he's had to directly have these conversations with people that he's trying to hire, but it's come up. That's just the fact of the matter. You know, just as we talked about the sports writer who could not you know, think of think of your perspective, not as somebody that listens to this podcast, but as somebody that watches SportsCenter 20 minutes every two to three times a week or something like that. When you think about Florida State football, you think about Jackson State and Jacksonville State. Uh, and you think about a team that has had a winning season for, you know, four seasons. Not That that has all to do with Mike or much to do with Mike necessarily. But those are your perceptions. uh Florida State has had to, I don't know if they've had to, I think they want to try to aggressively uh, address some issues and, and pay as one of those methods. But you've got to go to people within the industry and say, hey, look, you know, we're not necessarily setting the bar. We're not going to be the number one payer out there, but I'm trying to make you one of the highest paid people in your field. This money has been made available to me through the athletic department and, and my boss. I'm not a hot seat. You know, I'm not, I don't have the ability to go out and make hires like I want to with you, uh, to do this. So it's just going to have to be something that is, uh, in play both with the fan base, with, uh, media, and also with some of these people that you're going out and trying to court and add to your, you know, your ultimate staff right now.
1: I agree with you. I mean, I, like, I've already, I've already said my piece on this. Um, I already took a bunch of heat for it. I, I do think who you have. You know, working for you impacts your ability to hire a GM. I know you gave out big raises in the office. I don't think other people view your, your, your recruiting staff the same way that you clearly do, given the raises you gave those guys. I said, if you don't make changes on, on the post Saturday show, I'm going to have a hard time seeing this staff really have ultimate success here. And I'm, I'm sticking with that. Right. Like,
0: I at this point, I believe you're keeping Ron Dugans. I think he's getting extended. It's where we're going next. So Odell Haggins, I mean, everybody, I think Odell's one of the best position coaches in the history of college football. Um, Odell has continued to produce really good position units. He's at a point in his life where, you know, asking Odell to get on a plane and make a connection in Atlanta. And, you know, I mean, that's tough for him. Um, In many ways, it would have been easier for Odell to be a head coach somewhere uh, because of the restrictions and, just the ability and manner that you recruit at that position, but uh, sounds like Odell's coming back, which uh, I myself am, am very pleased to hear. And it sounds like Juan Dugan's is coming back, and to me that doesn't make sense. I don't know. Well, I don't think they wanted to.
1: I think that they that they tried to get some guys and struck out, and eventually they're like, well, continuity,
0: I guess, over who like who we can actually legitimately get. Dog, can you not go find a running backs coach? I mean, I I, I just can't I can't sign off on that. You go find somebody that wants to be in a, you know, make a name for themselves, put them at running backs coach. And it's not a knock at that position, but not necessarily a place where you have to be, you know, a beautiful mind when it comes to the chalkboard and drawing things up. Move your, uh, your running backs coach to wide receivers coach and let's go. I, I just can't sign off on the fact that you couldn't find anybody out there. Uh, but obviously there's reasons and and you may be, you know, you may well be right. They weren't able to get a name that they were comfortable with and weren't able to get a commitment uh, from somebody that they really wanted to bring in. So continuity rules the day. And this assistant coaching staff stays together intact by all accounts. And we uh, roll into next year. Yeah. Uh, not real
1: confidence inspiring. Again, that doesn't change what I just said about him not being on the hot seat for 2022. It does also not change what I said post signing day. That I don't have a lot of confidence that they're going to be able to pull this off in the long term if they keep this staff together in the same way. That's still where I am. I'm not not a serious believer at this point. Let me see, what else do we have here? Contracts versus coaches. Uh, I had a report on Knowles 24-7 that uh, FSU likely to hire uh, Corey Fuller for a defensive analyst role. I believe that is the position that was vacated by Randy Shannon when he got promoted to a defensive coordinator. Again, that was a move that I said I didn't agree with. I thought, to reiterate, 40000 for Shannon to maybe come in second place. And if Bama didn't have room for a little junior, thought that was a pretty nice lottery ticket to, uh, to use for the 2021 season. Making him your defensive coordinator, I don't agree with that. I don't think that's a smart move. Um, but Corey Fuller getting hired, okay. We'll see how this goes. I don't really have any huge problem with it. Um, obviously, I'll reiterate the concern I've had before. When you hire alumni, it is also harder to make a change if it doesn't work out. Oh, hmm. I feel like we just had that conversation. Um, also, uh, you know, Kewan Ratliff, who was a staffer for, uh, for Ben Mullen there in Gainesville, a long time. Obviously, played he played in the league for a while. Uh, ran a good seven-on-seven organization that did not act like idiots uh, out of Orlando called the Rat Pack. Obviously, you know Ratliff uh does know a whole lot of, of high school coaches. I believe had a positive relationship with those high school coaches. A lot of times high school coaches kind of hate these seven on guys, but I think he had a good relationship with them. He, you know, he took care of their kids and uh I I don't think that's a bad move as your assistant director of high school relations. Still need a GM though.
0: I mean right. Yeah. Well we've uh we've mentioned that a couple of weeks ago. Position yet to be filled. We'll keep you updated. Um We'll hit this real quickly. It's just gone a little bit longer than we probably planned, but scheduling here, uh, ACC releases its schedule what later this week, so we'll get a, a decent idea as to what that looks like. Um, you, know, you certainly know certain, certain segments of your schedule previously, but we'll get that middle section filled in, and we will review it in full um, for our show that we record, either over the weekend or on Monday of next week. And then um, you wanted to point out a potential double-buy that they may be staring at in the face right now?
1: Yeah, so FSU is going to play Duquesne in the opening week, right? which is week zero. I believe that's August 27th. Now, under NCAA rule, if you play a week zero game like that early, uh, which typically teams will do that if they have to go play at Hawaii, FSU is taking advantage of this because Duquesne is going to play at Hawaii. Uh, so FSU kind of gets to use the double buy uh, by virtue of playing the team that has to go play at Hawaii, so they're playing uh, Duquesne in week zero. You do get an extra bye week if you play one of those games, as, as I just, ne- just said. My thought is FSU would like to take that after the LSU game and then probably also play Clemson early, uh, but I don't know that Clemson wants to take its bye week that early nor do I know if Clemson wants to play FSU early in the year where FSU is, is off a bye and Clemson has decided uh, to not use its bye. Right? Uh, so just something to think about there. I guess we'll see, uh, we'll see what the ACC does. We do know that you, you get a couple sort of vetoes or strikes, if you will, or asks uh, with the ACC schedule. We've seen this for a long time. Um, there's only so many ways this cookie can crumble. Because of of when you have certain non conference games scheduled. But there are, uh, this is one of those schedules. And I'll just say this right now this is not a particularly crazy tough schedule if you profile as like a top 15 or especially like a top 10 or better team. If you profile as like a top 40 team, which would be an improvement for FSU, this is a pretty damn difficult schedule. Uh, So the order in which some of these games fall. It it is going to matter. I think there are some scenarios where you're projected as a favorite in maybe seven games, but you could also tell me that these games are ordered somewhat differently, and maybe you're a dog in seven games. So, uh, not huge, obviously. Like you're not going to swing from a seven point favorite to a seven point dog based on timing of the schedule. But I think there's some. I think it matters a little bit here, uh, and we'll see what the specific asks that FSU has.
0: All right. We'll move to uh, something that we always feel comfortable and or forever been the recipients of great timing. And that is being able to work with the good people. Chad and Shannon uh, just added Alabama to the offering. So uh, fantastic. Great to see Shannon continue to uh, spread his metaphorical wings and uh, really, what are they, Alabama, Georgia, South Carolina, North Carolina and Florida at this point. Uh, maybe Tennessee as well, or maybe I am just adding an extra state in there. But uh, yeah, so you know, I know you've worked with them twice. Uh, I, I am continually blown away by how many emails we get of uh, new home loans and refis that they've accomplished, and uh, couldn't be a better pairing with us, and nor could there be uh, with you, the listener. If you want to reach out, to Shannon eight four four FSU Loan Bud's done it twice. You, as a listener base, have done it uh maybe north of 350 times, which is mind blowing. Um, and uh hey, cheers to them and sent me one of the better scotches, bottle of scotches I've run across recently, bud. So uh, you know, no, no better way to uh to <laughs> to get on my good side than have a little lovely mystery bottle of scotch show up at the house.
1: That is absolutely congratulations again on getting engaged, man. making an honest man out of you. So Let's uh, let's go ahead and have everybody call you before FSU alone. Let, let's go ahead and call for a little round of applause for this basketball team, man. I was really not thinking that FSU was going to be where they are in the right now about a month ago. This is. Aaron Hamilton is a damn good basketball coach. This staff is a good staff.
0: Madness, man. This staff is incredible. I mean, see why uh, I had a. One of the people who really love and follow this basketball program at a granular level was just telling me, like, you know, I don't know if I want to go ahead and make him the next head coach, but I sure as hell don't want to see him go anywhere else. I mean, they've just got a great staff. Is this is this Hamilton's best job? Yeah, I mean, I realize we're we're not at the end of the season and things can certainly change as it has drastically with this one. As they've won six in a row now and completely. Change the trajectory of where you know we as a fan base thought this uh, this program was headed. At least for a one-off year, as they dealt with you know major departures to the, NFL, to the NFL to the NBA, and then some guys going to to Europe. That you know, a little bit of a hard thing to predict. But uh, fresh off wins over Duke and uh, Miami, and uh, number one in the conference, and very much got a little three-game stretch here that wouldn't shock you to see him win three in a row and. Really cement themselves as potentially the uh, number one seed going into the tournament. And again, it's early. They've got a game with uh, Wake, who certainly slapped it on him pretty good earlier this year. Uh, in the next, I believe that's the fourth game upcoming. Uh, so we'll get a good barometer as to where they are. But credit to Hamilton and the staff. Just an amazing program that's been built here and uh, an amazing turn of events as they've won six in a row and uh, again have positioned themselves as the number one team in the conference and um, not a lot to make the tournament, but it would have to, uh, the proverbial plane would have to fly pretty hard in the mountain at this point to not see them uh, make it yet another tournament.
1: You, you do wish that they could play one more game against Louisville though, uh, given what is happening tonight with Chris Mack. Have you seen this? I have not, no. Uh, Louisville and their coach Chris Mack are uh, are in talks to separate immediately. Uh, They had an 8.30 team meeting tonight, so that's, uh, I don't know exactly what's going on there. I've not, uh, uh, they're expecting him to sever ties by Wednesday, which is
0: tomorrow. That is, yes. uh, He's got about two hours and 20 minutes to do it, bud. Um, Yeah, yeah. uh, I mean, this isn't specifically basketball conversation, but. But what the hell's going on with Miami, man? I mean, I, I, this is just a strange. Uh, I know that's always oh, a little FH bit you of owns a, them
1: like every sport right now.
0: Well, uh, that and just the fan base. The Miami fan base is uh, again always a little bit of an odd bunch. But a guy who's best, online. they're very online, and a guy who's best known for not getting killed by a bear 15 years ago in the college football world is seemingly playing an instrumental role in their NIL efforts, uh Dave Portnoy's getting dunked on by a nine year old. did, I, and I you know, I realize everybody's having a little bit of a laugh with that, but it's just a it's just a strange damn time and I realize I'm just kind of rambling here. I will ramble to one more point. And that is Miami fans take a note from from old Uncle Ingram and, and everybody. Do not go in a hotel uh where the where the players are that is a that is a dumb dumb thing to do at 2 30 or 3 o'clock in the morning one just because i don't know if you know this bud but a whole lot of this uh country's population loves to carry guns with them everywhere and running around a hotel at three o'clock in the morning is a dangerous proposition because uh people don't necessarily know that you're running around tied to sports activities so that can go that can go south pretty quickly what if you lock on the wrong door you could knock on the wrong door or you could be, you know, Vinny who was uh, you know, waitlisted at Brown and denied at Cornell and Penn and so you're at Miami and you want to prove how how, you know, true you you are and you could run into one of these Florida state football or basketball players who would break your jaw in the quickest of moments. Uh I just that's a bad move. Look, in soccer uh you see, people stay outside of opposing hotels all the time, singing, chanting, setting off firework displays that would put a decent amount of the U.S. Uh, you know July Fourth displays to to shame. But nobody needs to be going inside the hotel of uh, where a team is, and that's a bad look. So I didn't necessarily plan on devoting three and a half, four minutes to that tonight. But
1: oh, I can devote a couple more,
0: please. So uh, a
1: report tonight. Report again. I'm not claiming this is true. I don't have any information on this. That uh, Miami co-offensive coordinator slash receivers coach Brian McClendon has emerged as the leading candidate to be the new receivers coach at Georgia.
0: Oh man, according to the multiple
1: uh, sources. Oh man, a former UGA receiver, McClendon coached under Mark Rickman Athens from 07 to 15. So, if this is true, uh, I'd like to ask you, what is your favorite day that Brian McClendon coached? for Miami. Again, he was hired, I believe on the sixth and today is the 25th. Uh, now he did, of course, I think my favorite day would be when he got to meet with five-star receiver, Jalen Brown on Friday, uh, from Gulliver prep. Obviously Jalen Brown's a stud and recruiting him as well. Uh, it's weird, man. um,
0: but they haven't they that. haven't thrown that other coordinator offering around too much. Uh, the defensive coordinator, or like the real offensive coordinator. The real offensive coordinator was the one that I were referencing. But yes, uh, they also Bama took T. roth right? Believe so. Yeah,
1: like that. That went through. Right? I, I heard I was going through. They changed the bio. Yep. He, he's at Bama now. Uh, so that would be basically losing two of your best recruiters to. Saban and Saban's top protege in Kirby Smart. That's like Saban Tree on Saban Tree violence, man. Don't those guys have a code of ethics? You can't just go and, and take dudes from Mario or from, from Jimbo or whomever? Yeah, I, the, the offensive coordinator situation there is interesting. I really do genuinely believe Miami has a big salary pool because people I trust have reported this as such. Also, whatever the hell's going on right there, is asking you to have a really, uh, you have to pick one of two things. Either you believe that multiple offensive coordinator candidates have turned Miami down, including Kendall Bryles, which is what I believe, by the way. I, I believe that reporting. Or you choose to believe that Miami has offered only one offensive coordinator in seven weeks, Jason Candle at Toledo, their head coach, and it's been turned out, and is steady hiring guys like graphics dudes and all that other stuff, but not actually hiring coordinators. I don't know. I actually think if you're a Miami fan, the first scenario is probably better that you're getting turned down a little bit. Like you if if it's the second scenario that they're just not offering anybody, it really kind of makes me wonder what they're waiting on. Is it one of four remaining offensive coordinators? Or quarterback coaches in the, in the playoffs, I guess that's possible. Um, I don't know. I guess, we'll, I guess we'll see. I have heard uh, potentially here, uh, Ken Dorsey. By the way, like not from anybody who works in the game, but just from people on on Twitter. Ken Dorsey
0: is the QB coach of the Bills. Are the Bills still in the playoffs? Funny you ask. What a well, we could spend. We're running a little long tonight, but we could spend five minutes just talking about the madness of that in and of itself and the use of time and everything else. But no, the Bills uh, saw everything crashing down in 13 seconds a couple of days ago.
1: I will say tremendous coaching by Ken Dorsey to tell to tell Josh Allen to throw the ball over cover two. I don't think we have ever really seen that. That was like, remember when Barry Bonds hit the ball into the bay and hit the guy's sailboat? And it was like one of the first home runs he jacked out there. It's like, oh my God, like you're not safe if you're in a boat out there. Uh, So, yeah. All right, let's – look, I I think Miami's going to recruit really well under Cristobal because he's a recruiting maniac. I think different people have varying opinions on what it's like to work for the guy, and we will see how those opinions shape the Miami's coaching search. Listener
0: questions? Yeah, listener questions. We've got uh, a couple here that we'll hit real quickly. Uh, First one comes from Lee. Lee asks, is Florida State in play at all for Jackson Dart or any other – Uh, Of the current transfer quarterbacks?
1: They're definitely not in play for Jackson Dart. You got to realize where FSU is right now. Like, they're just not a real attractive program to most transfers, I would say, other than that at defensive end, because John Papuchas has done a really nice job with his transfers. And granted, like, he got two really good ones to come. Uh, They're not going to be a real sexy offense for quarterbacks, given the complete lack of receiver play that they've had. And you, as an FSU fan, can be excited about the transfer portal hall with receiver. I am somewhat excited about it, Uh, but outsiders are not going to be really, really wowed by who they got in the receiver uh, pool to throw to. And the offensive line has been improving, in my opinion, under coach Alex Atkins. I think it will continue to improve. Again, I think he's going to be a head coach someday, one of the few guys on this staff who I think I would say that about. But it's still not a, a line that has a good reputation to be behind. And quarterbacks so far in this system, in Tallahassee, not at Memphis, have not put up good numbers. So, no, like, they're not going to be able to get a super sexy quarterback hire to come here for this year. If for some reason Jordan Travis transferred after 22 and they've shown real improvement at receiver and at offensive line, it wouldn't shock me if you got a one-year guy for 23.
0: Next uh, question is not a question, but rather a big thanks to our friends at Congruity. Matt Lewis is somebody that we're uh, bragging on all the time. And Bud... uh, Ding, ding, ding! What is that? That's the that's the sound of a new Cagruity customer via the NoCast. So this is awesome. Uh, John Raines uh, reached out to Matt about a month ago. They had, uh, ended up progressing nicely. John works with a video production company that is awesome. Take a look at it. it's backstory.us, and they do uh, they've got clients like Reebok, Coca Cola, and just do uh, really cool um, you know video advertising or video stories. Uh, John wrote that. Um, you know, he was uh, honestly intrigued with Congruity from being a, a podcast listener, and he needed a payroll solution that uh, allowed for him not to do the porti- uh, you know the reporting and paperwork and uh, streamline his efforts. He was a listener of the NoCast and wanted to support it, and there's no greater way of supporting the NoCast than supporting our sponsors. So, John, that's awesome. Uh, didn't need, didn't feel necessarily the need to shop around. Uh, once he talked to Matt and realized that he was in good hands, and I can assure you, John, you are, and any of our listeners, uh, you would be as well. Matt Luce has been nothing but a uh, a godsend for Bud and I and the Knollcast in general and would be for your business as well. He can be reached at knolls at congruityhr.com, or uh, you can reach out to me directly via Twitter or email, and I'm more than happy to put you in touch with Matt and the team at Congruity. Uh, so. Thank you so much, John. Uh, brilliant company there again, backstory.us. Take a look at some of the things they do, and uh, thank you ever so much for supporting the Nocast in the manner that you did.
1: Also I, I want to give John a compliment on his website as somebody who's in meetings all day about different numbers and and you know payload times and, and but anyway, a lot of different technical stuff. I'm extremely impressed. By how damn good their their website, which has a lot of elements, looks on mobile and loads on mobile as well. So I was checking it out earlier, on 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 the web, and th- they look great on mobile. That that is uh, obviously Congruity is not a mobile solutions for for website purposes, but I'm really happy that, that they're working with Congruity. I just pulled them up on my phone too, and I I'm just kind of a nerd for that kind of stuff. If you got a really flashy looking website, I want to see how how well you translate it to the mobile space and. Uh, John, well done here. This is this is really good. So it's, and it's got that handy dandy menu option at the top, which I like because you can have all that flash, but if I can't get to the actual stuff I need to find, again, not useful. So get the flash and got the dash if I wanted to dash to a spot on your site. So awesome there. Uh, so Chris has a question, which will kind of bring us down to earth slightly here. I think in, re- in reading this on my other screen, uh, I know it's still early, but Norvell is feeling. Uh, or is beginning to take on a bit of a McElwain feel for FSU. Moderate success on the field, moderate moderate success in recruiting, but falling behind major rivals and failing to become truly elite. Do you agree with that early assessment? Is that Norville's ceiling, uh, or or rather, if that's Norville's ceiling, would FSU admin and fans accept that level of success
0: long-term? You want to go first or second? I mean, would they accept winning the conference and going to conference championship games and losing them and, you know, having a pretty tough defeat at the end of the year to Florida, which is... Kind of where MacLaurin found himself, not forever, but certainly in the short term. Certainly in the short term, he also has to get to that level first. No, we're not. Uh, we're not quite there. We're not. We're not winning the uh, ACC Coastal uh, right now, or the Atlantic even, since that's the one that we're in. So that's probably. I mean, do you think they finish top half of the co- of the Atlantic this year? Um, I think they'll finish right in right in the the meat of that sandwich. Yeah,
1: that's a tough that's a tough division to be
0: in, given the quarterbacks who are in that division. The quarterback decision making and returning did not do Florida State any favors at all in this conference.
1: Trkulovic's back, Hartman's back, Leary's back. If you want to count DJ as being an asset, which, given his overall track record, I do. But if you base it just off 2021, obviously I understand. If you don't, that's that's a lot of good QBs. And Cunningham's back as well. He played exceptionally well for Louisville this year. Um, that's tough. So yeah, I I do agree with that early assessment. Uh, It feels like they missed their window to really hit it out of the park with recruiting. Uh, Their window specifically, and unfortunately for them, largely out of their control, being sort of a one-year thing, uh, they can extend that window if they win a lot more games on the field this fall. I am personally not convinced that winning seven or eight games, even though it would be a, a nice improvement on your win total, I am not convinced that gets you in the ballpark with many elite recruits uh, that you otherwise would not have been in with. It's just my personal opinion after observing the sport and working in it for quite a while. But I could be wrong. Often am. Uh would FSU fans accept that long term and admin? No, but refer back to minutes like five through twenty of the show where we talked about the the need for a reasonable timetable, the need to get the footballing facility built, and the need to not be overly reactionary after you just did that. Um Although I think, in in fairness, there were some obvious things you needed to do, and what's happened at FAU has has certainly made their decision look smarter, uh, given that that's an absolute train wreck down there right now. Let's end with Sam's question tonight, and we're almost at an hour.
0: With the ACC football schedule released next week, is there any talk about the conference looking at modifying the divisions or opponent rotations in the future? Are there any other schools, fan bases in the conference displeased with the current schedule structure, uh, or is this mainly a Florida State gripe?
1: I have not heard any kind of new talk about it. I think the ACC is a good league to try this out with because you don't really have any teams there who are like an Auburn or a Tennessee. Uh, and by that, I mean in the SEC, you have some teams who really do, uh, like, who earnestly believe that they are rivals with like six teams. And others, are like, eh, we don't really consider you a rival. It's more of like a one way rivalry. So you should be able to drop that. And I think obviously what you need to do need to do is go to like a, a, a pod type system, where you have two guaranteed opponents every year, and rotate the other six games. It would allow for more frequent going you know, road trips and return trips, so that you have a decent chance to play everybody much more often. Um, but I have not heard anything new about that. We know Georgia Tech fans, I think, would like to play FSU more often because of how close it is. Obviously, they they interact with a lot of FSU fans in the city of Atlanta. FSU would love to play Georgia Tech more often. It's a drivable uh, home game for a drivable road game rather for a lot of their uh, a lot of their fan base that does live in Georgia. Uh, and it's an easy flight obviously cuz you direct delta you know to Atlanta pretty much all the time. I've not heard anything new with that. I think the ACC is probably much more focused right now on leveraging its vote and holding out on this conference expansion to get more money out of ESPN or to get everybody else to pony up some money in order to coerce them into voting yes or to simply hold out long enough to where uh, it's no longer just ESPN bidding on the playoff and that they're able to sell that to multiple partners which I think in the long term uh, and I think George Clarkoff the the Pac-12 commissioner agrees with me on this because he was in entertainment and has brought this point up multiple times publicly uh, it's not like I'm texting the guy but uh, that multiple you know, broadcasting partners would help quite a bit. That's kind of my thoughts on, on that. Have you heard anything new as far as pod, like pod type scheduling?
0: Uh, I think they're open to it. I, I think it'll be discussed more. I mean, it's, it's never made sense to me. At this point, Clemson's a bigger you know, brand in college football in the short term than Florida State, but it's never made sense to me why your biggest brand overall isn't in your biggest media market, why, why Florida State and Georgia Tech don't you know, cross each other more. Um, also, you know, it, this this conference does have some great schools in it and great cities. I, I would be it would be fun to have more flexibility with a schedule and see yourself in all these places every two to three years, as opposed to you know going to Pitt once every eight years or uh, you know some of the other or Virginia. I mean, I'm I have some some natural bias there, but going to Charlottesville is one of the coolest trips in, in college sports. I Love it like to do it more often um you just don't get to see that side of the conference nearly as frequently as you should so uh, i think that's in play ultimately i think that'll come to fruition but as you said there's certainly bigger uh you know bigger focuses in greensboro right now than uh, getting getting the schedule fixed
1: i'm uh i'm also just a quick quick note on on uva man they might really suck this year um, the 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 Coastal, you may see some teams on the Coastal side have some inflated records. Uh, Pitt returns, I think, 16 starters. They don't get Kenny Pickett back, but they, they do get Keaton Slovis back. UNC might see all those guys they've signed uh, mature and actually play to their talent level. Obviously, Miami was a pretty good team last year that had some issues. Uh, I'm not really sure what bottech will be. I don't think they're going to be that great. Duke, I think, is a Pretty serious project, I mean they were probably the worst team in, in the pack in, in the power five last year, depending on what you think of, of Bandy and Northwestern I mean you could see the top three teams in the coastal combine to win like nineteen ACC games or, or eighteen just because like, you're not going to catch a lot of losses in the bottom half of that division
0: something that we'll uh continue to keep an eye on as far as the conference structure, but uh for now that'll be tonight's no cast as always. Uh, Thank you to you, the listener. If you get an opportunity, give us a five-star review on uh, Apple podcast or wherever it is. And now Spotify. Spotify has reviews. No no review, but ratings. Or ratings, excuse me, not reviews, ratings. And uh, sportspodcastawards.com that we mentioned earlier. would be great to see us uh, continue to show well in that. And if you have two minutes, uh, know that Bud and I would greatly appreciate you making your way over there and giving us a vote for the best college uh, podcast. So, Unless you've got anything else to add, Bud, this will be tonight's uh, no Uh, we'll nope. Also, one we will put out a call.
1: Whoever made the bot to hack the helmet voting contest, we'd like to do a ten year retrospective uh, and interview you about that. We have some cool interviews coming up that I'm excited to do, but that would be a fun. It's very meta, but uh, I think it'd be cool to do.
0: No, it would be cool. That, uh, like I said, there was. Uh, it would be about fourteen years now in review, but uh, at a time. When there wasn't a whole lot uh, of sunshine pumping down on this fan base, that was a, a fun little reprieve and still makes for a good story a decade and a half later.
1: All right, buddy. I'll catch you later. Talk to you soon. This has been the Knollcast. The Knollcast is created and hosted by Bud Elliott and Ingram Smith, music by Judson Wright, and produced by Justin Robinson. Go Knolls!